And uh, I'm so excited because we have a venue update. Anybody want to hear about the new home of Kalo's Church? Anybody ready or should we keep you in suspense a little bit longer? I don't know. Suspense? All right. Well, hey, I, I'm pumped. We're in a moment going to continue our series on the book of John. We've been reading chapters 5 and 6 this week. Got a great message. But we are going to announced the new venue right now and it's been it's been a journey and uh as you know we started in the parlor comedy club 2017 september and uh it was a church in the comedy club no joke remember that <laughs> remember that phrase very fun and then uh right before this last easter we found out we have 10 days to find a new venue and we landed here in the w bought all new equipment figured out how to do church in a hotel without an existing sound system and we had uh, an incredible turnout our first Sunday. We broke the 500 barrier for the very first time. And it was just wild. It was the perfect setup, you know, going into an Easter. But now we have a summer transition, which uh, I know it was cool to break an attendance record on our first service in this venue. But I'm, I'm thankful for a low-key summer transition that's just kind of regular Sundays. Anybody with me? Where we just can kind of ease into the next transition and then ramp up for a great fall. And so. Uh, I'm pumped about that. And so if you are ready to hear about this new venue, we, we had people actually fighting for our business. And so our new place is actually going to cost us less money and some free valet parking spots were thrown in. And, and we got some crazy things. But if I could get a drum roll, please. Come on, on your laps, on your hands. So our new venue is going to be in downtown Bellevue. We're going to be able to meet at the same times in the morning, okay? We're going to have different options for parking, including valet. Oh, my goodness. We're going to have a great kids' space, and we're going to have great adult space. And I told myself I wouldn't get emotional, but this venue is going to be on the first floor with parking options on the first floor. And so get ready. Uh, the new home of Kalos Church is the Hilton Garden Inn. Woohoo! Which is less than a half mile away from here. Behold, the home of Kalos Church. And they want to keep us long term. <laughs> and so why don't we look at a few pictures? This will be our foyer space. If you have the faith to believe it, it might be swankier. That's our valet area, foyer. Keep on going. That's our valet area. That's uh, check-in and kids. It's so classy. This is our lobby foyer. Uh, the front part of it, super fancy. This is the main meeting area. And so our pinkies will be up for the Lord. <laughs> it will be amazing. Uh, baptisms, maybe. Yeah. Sermon prep, definitely. <laughs> and so, I mean, this is amazing. So thank you for all your prayers and uh, just being with us and all your leads for new venues and things like that. This is really amazing. Are you excited to worship at the Hilton Garden Inn? I know I am. I know I am. Well, hey, I'm going to jump into my sermon, and I'm, I'm really excited for this. And so uh, we've been reading the book of John, and Pastor Maritha preached a great message last week. It's Good to have Pastor Amritha preaching again, isn't it? She's back from maternity leave. It's so powerful. It's so good. And uh, you are a powerful preacher. 
and I, I was blessed on Father's Day. It was amazing. So why don't we continue in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, and as we saw in the Gospel of John, we've seen these themes of belief and unbelief, and Jesus has given us signs to help us believe in the divinity of Jesus, and so the story in chapter six, before we read a specific scripture, starts off by Jesus feeding 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish, and he miraculously feeds a bunch of people to the point where as he tries to escape the crowds, he travels across the lake, the crowd follows him, and they ask for more miracles, and, and Jesus says, hey, you're pursuing me because of the bread I supernaturally provided for you, but I, I don't want you to work so hard for bread that spoils. I want you to start working hard for bread that's eternal, the bread of life. And then this leads into a hard statement that Jesus says, and maybe one of the saddest verses in the whole Bible, John 6, 6, 6. Let's read. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue of Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they're full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. John 666. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Dear Father, I pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word this morning, but doers, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so these people are pursuing Jesus hardcore. They eat the original wonder bread, miracle bread, that Jesus provides. And then Jesus gives them one hard teaching. And suddenly the same people that were pursuing him hardcore were abandoning him hardcore. They were leaving him. And so the title of my message today is The Unholy Ghost. Have you ever felt like someone was pursuing you hardcore, maybe wanted that original date with you, and then they have that date, and then suddenly they don't respond to any calls or texts or anything like that, totally pursue you, and then totally abandon you. You know, I started dating Amritha before Tinder existed, and so my dating life dates me, and uh, back in the day, Dating had a whole lot of different rules and cultural norms. You know, my strategy was, oh, there's a brown girl in a white church. Now we have two kids. You fill in the blanks. It was a simpler time back then. It was a simpler time. <laughs> you know? But in today's day and age, you have apps to help you. You have websites like you know, Match.com and eHarmony, you have Tinder, and uh, as I'm talking with young people in our church who are in that dating uh, phase, uh, I realize there's rules 
that I don't even understand. There's norms I cannot relate to because it was a, it was a simpler time back then. And I've, I've learned this term that when you go on a date, people pursue you hardcore. They try to slide into those DMs and direct <laughs> message you with the, and get that first date. Let me take you out. Come on, respond to me. I'm going to treat you right. And then you go on a date, and then you don't hear from that person ever again. You are dating strangers, and strangers, they remain. And I learned a term called ghosting. Has anybody heard of ghosting? Has anybody here ever been ghosted? And if you don't know what ghosting is, let's go to, uh, not the Bible, but really not even close. Let's go to the Urban Dictionary. Ghosting, <laughs> which means the shutdown slash ceasing of communication with someone without notice. And... Uh, I see this happening in our dating culture, and uh, I, I want to show you a, a video that kind of demonstrates what ghosting might feel like, and it's set to the, the mood of a horror movie, and some of you might relate to this, and I'm sorry if you do. Let's play that clip. Does anybody need prayer right now with every head bowed, every eye closed right now? <laughs> ghosting, who can relate to this? This is a safe place. Who here has ghosted someone? Safe place. Safe place. <laughs> and we, we've been ghosted. Communication ends. Maybe there was a, a weird conversation. Maybe the interest just wasn't in there and things end and in this passage we just read, people are pursuing Jesus hardcore, and then he says something that's difficult, a teaching that maybe they didn't like, maybe a vibe they didn't want to feel, and suddenly they abandon Jesus, they ghost him. And I, I call this message the unholy ghost because I, I'm afraid that the culture of dating will invade the church in our relationship with Jesus. You know, many of us, we pursue Jesus hardcore, especially when we're early in our faith or when we have a big spiritual need or maybe we're seeking out truth or purpose and we pursue Jesus. But then when we read the scriptures or we encounter something that we don't like or we don't agree with, we're tempted with just abandoning Jesus or abandoning the community of faith. And, and so I want to talk about this and dig into this mindset of ghosting. And I want to be honest, like we planned this message series before we knew that the church would be transitioning. And so I don't want anybody to feel like I'm like using this as an opportunity to manipulate or, or say, hey, don't ghost the church. We're transitioning. Don't leave me. I want to, I want to pastor you for life. Stay. Stay. 
stay. No, that's not the heart of this. We were going to preach through this scripture regardless of a transition or not. But I, I just see an epidemic in the church of a consumer mentality. You know, actually, this isn't plain, but Pastor Amritha showed me a meme this morning where someone says at church, oh, I didn't really like church this morning. And, and the pastor says, well, good, we weren't worshiping you. <laughs> what matters is that God likes the worship. Can I get a good amen? It's not about us liking the worship. But what we see sometimes in church, maybe uh, it's not us, and I don't, I don't really think Kalos has this mentality, but I have observed in some places that a consumer mentality can really set in when it comes to church. If I like the style of the music, then I'll worship Jesus. If the teaching agrees with things I already believe and does not challenge or contradict anything that I believe, then I will like the sermon. If they ask me to serve but not so much that I'm burnt out and I don't have to die to myself, then I will like that church. If I get positioned in the area I feel called to in that area alone, then I will belong to the community and serve Jesus. And just Full disclosure, if we only gave people serving opportunities at Kalos Church where they felt called to, everybody here would be a bass player. It would not be a normal church. <laughs> and, uh, you know, sometimes this consumer mentality can step in, not with just our church relationships, but with our, our relationship with God. Like, I will serve Jesus as long as he answers all my prayers. But as soon as Jesus doesn't answer my prayer, as soon as Jesus doesn't heal this part of my life, doesn't reverse this diagnosis, doesn't bring me the finances of the, that I want, as soon as Jesus stops being my genie, I will stop serving him. And we want to be the master of Jesus instead of being the master of our lives. And this is a, a consumer epidemic where we abandon Jesus as soon as there's a hard teaching or a hard reality. You know, as soon as we find something in the scriptures that doesn't line up with what culture tells us is right, we betray, abandon, walk away from Jesus. And so I see this mindset, a mentality of ghosting and just full disclosure I, I'm praying that we would, as the church, have the fruit called long-suffering, where we would say, Jesus, I'm with you for the long haul. Jesus, I realize where there are roots planted, there are fruits that are blossomed. And I want to pray that we as a people wouldn't be so fickle, we wouldn't be swayed to the left and right by emotions or not getting our way, but we would say, Jesus, I'm with you. Jesus, I want to stick with you. I want to be part of a community. I want to plant roots. I'm in this for the long haul. I'm praying for the fruit called long-suffering, that we wouldn't run at the first sign of things getting rough or tough, but we would say, hey, I am here to stay. I am planted, and I will go where the Lord sends me, but I am here until I hear otherwise. I'm praying for long-suffering. And so what do you do, though, when there are hard teachings and hard-to-swallow realities that we're presented with in the scriptures and in the church? How do we avoid ghosting Jesus? And so I'm going to be talking about that, and that, that is my prayer. And again, I just want to give this caveat. I don't want you to feel like I'm manipulating anybody in this transition 
Because if I learned anything from our last transition, we already have a church that's all about Jesus. We already have a church that's not about the Jivas. It's not about the W. It's not about the parlor. It's not about being comfortable. I think we have a community here that's saying, hey, we are going to make known the beauty of Jesus. I don't care if it's in this swanky hotel or another swanky hotel. We will sacrifice for the Lord. Pinkies for you, Jesus. Pinkies up for you forever. Here's my lock suffering. <laughs> but should we have a less swanky hotel? Let's talk about how do we avoid <laughs> ghosting Jesus. And so I want to talk about three things. I want to talk about that the reality is the teachings of Jesus are hard, that we are what we eat and we're called to be the body. And we have a choice set before us always in our faith journey that we can go or we can grow. And so the first thing I want to identify and just really establish and let us all know that we're not crazy is this. The teachings of Jesus are hard to swallow, especially when he says, I am the bread of life and you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. These are difficult things to say. In verse 26 in this chapter, it says, Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And then jump into 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Have you ever read the scripture and you're like, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? This is hard to swallow. You are not alone. The Bible confronts us. The Bible causes us to rethink the norms we've accepted in our life. It's a foundation on which we build our lives, but many of us are tempted. I am tempted to build my life on lesser foundations. And this statement is the first I am statement that the book of John presents us with. As we look through the book of John, we see that John writes this so that we would believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ, that he's not just a philosopher, not just a good teacher, not just a moral lawmaker, not just a carpenter, but Jesus is God. Jesus is divine. And I want to read this quote by R.C. Sproul to get it right as we dive into the Greek of this language. And he says that in this first I am statement, I am the bread of life, the, the specific Greek words here are really, really rare and point to the divinity of Jesus. He says it like this. To emphasize the I in an I am statement, writers and speakers would use the construction ego in me, meaning I, I myself am. This is done very rarely in the Bible, but ego and me, and ego is the where we get the word ego, so I, is the construction we find behind every I am statement in the Gospel of John. Significantly, the ego and me construction is also found in the Greek translation of Exodus 3.14 when God declares on himself, I am who I am. Over and over again, when Jesus utters these I am statements, so we'll see I am statements throughout the book of John. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. You know, I am the bread of life. Over and over when Jesus utters these I am statements, he is making reference to his own deity. No first century Jew who is trained in the scriptures would have missed this. And so Jesus, in this statement, I am the bread of life, he is making some bold claims. He is saying, I am God. 
You are working for things that are going to spoil. You give your life for a career. Maybe you're giving your life for a family. Maybe you're giving your life for adventure. Maybe you're giving your life for money and security. Those things will all perish. The only thing that will forever satisfy you is me. I am the great I am. I am that I am. And I am the bread of life. You need to live for me and me alone if you want to experience true life. Everything else is going to fail you. That's a bold statement, Jesus. That's something that is hard to swallow. Even in today's day and age, we think we can just have Jesus added to our life. But no, Jesus says you need to subtract yourself and surrender to me. Adding our lives, adding Jesus to our lives is not the same is living with Jesus and having the life that he offers us. It demands full surrender. It says, Jesus, I don't work for things that are going to perish. I work for you, the eternal one, the one without creation, the one that was not created, but you created everything. That's a bold statement that we can't just kind of follow Jesus and other things. It's all or nothing. I am the bread of life. And uh, uh, I saw this this kind of meme quote thing. Can you put up that picture? And it talks about Jesus being the bread of life. It says, y'all need to stop with this. Bread is not good for you foolishness. Jesus did not say, I am the broccoli of life, nor did he say, give us this day our daily kale. Stop. All right, here's the transitive property. Jesus is life. Jesus is the bread of life. Bread is life. Say it with me. Bread is life. Can I get a good amen? There ain't nothing that's true about keto Christianity. We need bread. The bread of life. You know, I've learned, though, bringing it back to Tinder, I've known some people that the only reason they go on these Tinder dates is to get free food. Anybody done that? Anybody been the victim of that? (laughs) I see hands up and hands being pulled down. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) You know, this is reality. People are like, yeah, I'll go on a date on a stranger and list me at this very fancy restaurant. You initiated, so you're buying the food. I'll go, and then you, you ghost them. It's a strategy. And I feel like Jesus said, you pursued me because of the bread I offered, but I'm looking for people to pursue me for me as a source of life. And if you're afraid you're going to ghost Jesus one day, my encouragement is make Jesus your reward. Make Jesus not just the, 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 the person who provides you with bread, but Jesus is your bread. That we wouldn't just seek Jesus' hand, we would seek his face. We wouldn't just seek Jesus because he answers our prayers and makes us feel good. But Jesus, I love you. I want you. I need to know you. I went to church for the first time because a beautiful girl invited me. And I was like, beautiful girls don't talk to me in school. Beautiful girls invited me for a co-curricular activity. Yes and amen. I'm a simple man. I have a simple plan. Find a brown girl in a white church. I have two kids. That's my plan. 
And so I followed her to church. I showed up. I went. And I, I started going for all these beautiful girls. But eventually, I started hearing about Jesus. And my motivation started to change. Instead of going to church for what I could benefit, I started falling in love with Jesus. And instead of the free pastries and the coffee and the entertainment and the giveaways and all these amazing things, I started going to church to be with the body of Christ and saying, Jesus, I just want to lift up your name because you're the bread of life. You're the source. You're my hope. You're my all in all. You are everything I long for. You are everything I hope for. Jesus, you are the bread of life and I will follow you no matter what. Take away the building. Take away away the gifts. Take away the games. Take away the fun. Jesus, I want you. I hunger and thirst for you. Nothing else in my life satisfies me. Looking for a better education. Looking for entertainment. None of that is filling the hole in my heart. But Jesus, you satisfy me. Jesus, you are the bread of life. And that is why we gather, to make known the beauty of Jesus. Jesus doesn't just want to give us bread. He wants to be our bread. Amen? And if you need another wordplay, here it is. If Jesus isn't your dessert, you'll probably desert him. Come on, somebody. That's good. Number two, you are what you eat. Another reality I see here, a little help. And not ghosting Jesus in 53, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. If I'm a disciple, if I'm following Jesus and I'm hearing this, I'm like, oh, no, we're following another cannibal. This, I can't believe it's happening again. Eat my flesh, <laughs> drink my blood. This is crazy, Jesus. And, you know, Jesus literally isn't bread, and I don't, I don't think the disciples literally, like, were biting into the biceps of Jesus, and you're like, I'm alive. <laughs> like, this, this is real life. You know, uh, no. I, I mean, I think Jesus is speaking with a lot of symbolism. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the gate. You know, all these, I am the light of the world. And, and every Sunday, like Pastor Amritha walked us through, we participate in communion every Sunday to make sure, Jesus, this is all about you. But we don't just do communion as individuals. We do communion as the body of Christ. And there's a, a principle here that I think will help us stay faithful and have the spirit of long-suffering with Jesus. And it's this reality that you are what you eat. Jesus says this in verse 56, something really interesting. He says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. And it's pretty amazing. We see here that as we eat the body... We become the body. As we take in the body inside and we eat it, we actually become the body from the inside out. You are what you eat. And so communion, you are what you eat. Communion isn't just consuming the body of Christ. It's about the body of Christ consuming you. And as we focus on Jesus, we become part of something bigger than ourselves. We become part of a body. 
And I think, I think there's a reality in the church and in spirituality that it's all about your personal relationship with Jesus. It's all about an individual faith. But that's not what the scripture says. It says we join the body of Christ. And I think in the church, we have become okay with decapitating Jesus. We acknowledge that Jesus, you're the head, you're the leader, but you know what? I'm just going to worship you, God, on my own. The church is filled with hypocrites. They're not perfect. There's some weird leaders and there's some weird people. And I, I don't believe in organized religion. I don't believe in institutions. Like, I, I'm just going to be with you, God. All I need is a mountaintop. And yes, we should have a personal relationship with Jesus, but our faith is not inherently personal. It's part of a greater picture. For God so loved the whole world that he brought us into a family. He brought us into a body. We are the people of God. We are the temple of God. And so uh, we decapitate Jesus when we reject the church. And if you want to make sure you don't ghost Jesus, you want to make sure you're connected to the head, stay part of the body. And this is what he says. When you take in the body, you become the body. And uh, regarding the church, I think we need a staying power. Man, I see people offended all the time in the church, and they just, they just leave. They don't work out issues. They don't have the hard conversations. I'm tempted to leave. I've left churches before on bad notes just because, hey, I'm done. I'm not going to work this out. I'm not going to believe in the biblical idea of reconciliation and forgiveness and second chances. I'm thankful God does that for me, but I will not extend that for anybody else. And so as soon as someone messes up, we abandon the community. Which is so scary when you join a community because it puts us all on edge. It tells People, I am only one mistake away from you rejecting me forever. Right? I don't want to be that kind of friend. I don't want to be that kind of community member. And as a pastor, do you know how intimidating that is? I mean, uh, hey, if I make one wrong business move, if I say one wrong thing as a preacher, if I'm not available enough, if I do, I mean, as a pastor, it's so intimidating to be perfect all the time. And I can't be perfect you can't be perfect. And if we have a community that says you have to perform right all the time in order for me to stay committed, if we have that kind of community, we don't really have a community at all. Yeah. It's contractual. Yeah. If I say to Amritha, I'll be your husband as long as you perform correctly. Hey, son, I will love you as long as you potty train correctly. <laughs> That's not happening. I watched my son all day yesterday waiting for him to poop so we could potty train him. He didn't poop once. <laughs> but I'm sticking with him. You know what? We, I'm praying for staying power, that we would have a commitment to the body of Christ. God cares about his church. Jesus is the head. We are the body. And I'm not okay with us decapitating Jesus. It's part of the staying power. And, you know, as we've been transitioning and Looking for new venues, I, I've been super insecure at times as a leader. Oh my goodness, another change in two months. Are we going to lose all our people? But I'm so encouraged because people have come up to me and Pastor Amritha time and time again just saying, hey, no matter where we go, I just want to let you know we're with you. We're going to make it on the beauty of Jesus. I'm so amazed at this community at Kalos Area. I was talking with Phil Silva the other day. I was like, hey, as we look for new venues... What are your preferences? He's just pretty thin. My preferences don't matter. 
we will go wherever Kalos goes. We're with you. We didn't make this choice lightly. We didn't just go because you're so handsome. Because you're, you're not. You know? <laughs> he, he was just like, we're with you. You know, on, on our Facebook poll, if you're not part of our Facebook community uh, group, not the page, but the group, we have lots of great conversation. We put a poll up there, and you could vote, like, what do you want in a new venue? Cool factor, parking space, you know, things like that. And, and people are like, are, is Jesus there? That's our, that's our preference. Is the Holy Spirit welcome? That's our preference. I don't care about parking and cool factor. We just want to worship Jesus with the body of Christ as the body of Christ. We just want to make known the beauty of Jesus. We want to live on mission. And Pradeepan, we're with you. Amrita, we're with you. Kalos Church, we're with you for the long haul. And I'm just so thankful for a community like Kalos Church in a transition like this because you guys get it. That it doesn't matter what building we're in. It doesn't matter the style of music we play. As long as we can make known the beauty of Jesus together, we are the church. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so it, it comes down to this reality. Whenever we face hard teachings and adversity, we can go or we can grow. You know, in 61 it says, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Wow. Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. And, you know, in verse 66, uh, he says, the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And in verse 67, I can kind of hear pain in the heart of Jesus to his 12 disciples. Do you, you don't, you don't want to leave too, do you? I mean, these are people who are saying, we want to follow you, Jesus. Jesus has given his life. He's spending time teaching them, showing them a better way. But can you just see the vulnerability in Jesus' voice? Like, you don't, you don't want to leave me too, do you? You don't want to ghost me. And then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And I, I like this attitude. Jesus, you're the source of life. We could go, but you know what? We're going to grow. You have the words of life. We have come to believe. That shows to me teachability and growth and a hunger and a desire that says, hey, no matter what adversity I face, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. No matter what difficulties I face, Jesus, I'm your servant. I'm your friend. I'm with you to the end of days. Come what may, I'm going to stay. And uh, some of this community, they chose to, to, to just grumble. And when a community crumbles, it, it starts to crumble. When a community grumbles, it starts to crumble. But they, they said, you know what, Jesus, we're going to lift up you. You have the words of life. And, uh, you know, Matt Keller says this, teachability is your desire to learn multiplied by your willingness to change. And these disciples, they, they had an acknowledgement, Jesus, you have the words of life, and not only do we want to hear them, but we have come to believe. We will follow you. We want to change. We're, we're hungry. We know that adversity produces fruit. And instead of praying that things get easier, Lord, I want to get stronger. I want to be teachable. I could go, I could leave, I could run, but Jesus, we're going to grow with you. We're not going to abandon you. And my, my passion and what I want to encourage you, if you're worried about like your longevity, if you want the spirit of long suffering, that you would just say, Jesus, 
Hey, I acknowledge your teachings are hard to swallow, but I also know you're the source of all life, and I trust you. Jesus said, and sometimes I don't have faith in myself, and so I'm going to lean on the strength of a community, and I'm going to stay committed to the church. And I want to stay connected to the head, so I'm going to make sure I stay connected to the body. Because when I go through difficulties, when I have doubts, I know that my brother and my sister, they will have faith for me and with me and help me get through the hard times. They will make sure I don't ghost Jesus. But then also this mindset of saying, hey, even if it's hard, Jesus, I'm not just going to go, I'm going to grow. All things can be used to strengthen me in the name of Jesus. And I think we have an opportunity, even right now, as we transition venues again. Man, I've seen church plants go through really hard transitions as they've transitioned venues. And we're only a year and a half old. And this is a vulnerable time. I know we've been growing, and I know we have a lot of amazing time or people and strength. And just, I know that this is a setback, but just like last time, I believe that God can use our setback as a setup for great things. And that we can go from glory to glory because there's so many people that Jesus wants to reach in Bellevue. And we are going to make known the beauty of Jesus like never before. And I, I know this transition is tough. And I know that people have been having to learn crazy things. And I, I'm just thankful, though, that we haven't been a community that, that grumbles and crumbles. But we say, hey, Lord, strengthen me. You know, my heart goes out to the operations team. We had to buy all new screens and projectors. And the operations team, which in our last venue would move chairs primarily as the bulk of their time and their work. And now they're, they're in the artistry of getting the lights just right and these purple lights. And they're like, hey, how, I have to learn technology now? Yeah. And I'm like, hey, can you, move, can you move that light a little to the left? I like the artistry of it. it just, it's just good for me. Like, is it, is it good now? It looks exactly the same. What are you, are you, are you kidding me? Move that a half an inch! I'm like, Pradeepin, wow. But they never grumbled. They just said, hey, we're going to grow. We're going to make it work. We're going to make it happen. And two months later in this venue, uh, Jordan from the operations team, he said, I think we finally have this locked in. Well, settle in, because we're leaving in two weeks. <laughs> but we're just going to get stronger, and we're going to grow, and we're going to learn. Amen? And I believe the best is yet to come. And so as I close, I just I want to thank you for staying consistent. And I, I want to pray for us all to have a continued spirit of long-suffering, that we wouldn't ghost Jesus, we wouldn't ghost his community. And uh, if you aren't on our dream team, the volunteers that make this Sunday experience and throughout the week happen, if you would like to volunteer, if you would not want to just, you know, be a spectator, if you want to enter in and become part of the body doing work that only your special gifts and talents and experiences can do, hey, there's a piece of white paper on every chair and I just encourage you, fill that out, and after service, go to the booth, the table, the connections bar with the yellow balloons on it, and give that piece of paper to someone there who, and say, hey, I want to join the team. I want to be part of the Kalos Dream Team. I would love to help in the transition because we have big vision, and we want lots of leaders, lots of capable people to help us take our kids' ministry to the next level. Give our kids a great experience. Help the operations team go to the next level. Just so many places you can serve and help us make known the beauty of Jesus. Amen? Well, why don't we pray right now? Dear Father, thank you so much for this morning.
And I pray that we would have the spirit of long-suffering, that you would help us transition well, but most importantly, you would help us stay committed to you, Jesus. Lord, and whether it's this church or another great church in this area, like Doxa or Rain City or uh, Westminster or Bell Prez, just amazing churches, I pray that we would be people who are pillars in the church community, that we would stay planted, we would have the spirit of long-suffering, or whether it's here at Kalos, that we would grow together in adversity when it tears us apart, but it help us grow stronger together, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Hey, before I transition off the stage, I, I realize not everybody here is a Christian. Not everybody here has made the decision to follow Jesus Christ. And it would be my great honor to pray for anybody who's saying, I want to surrender my life with Jesus. I want to start a relationship with Jesus. I've been living in darkness. I want to walk in the light. Or maybe you followed Jesus at one point. Maybe you're like one of these disciples that walked away and you're saying, hey, I want to recommit. I want to eat of this bread of life. I want life that doesn't spoil, but life that's eternal. If that's you, I just want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand with our eyes closed. I'm not going to embarrass you or anything. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer with us as a community, and then we'll help you start this journey. So why don't we close our eyes and bow our heads. But if that's you in this place, you're saying, Pastor Bredeepen, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. I want to surrender to him. I want to eat this bread that doesn't spoil on the count of three. Would you raise your hand, and I'll pray for you. One, two, three. Why don't you lift up your hand? I would love to pray for you. Would you lift it high so I can see and just put it back down? Amen. 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 All right, let's pray this prayer together, especially if you raise your hand or if you're wanting to surrender your life to Jesus. Let's say this all at the same time. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give it up for life change that Jesus is the source of our life?